Tuhu. Dempsey. And Dempsey will try and chip one. Wonderful! Absolutely brilliant! A sensational goal from Clint Dempsey. May well have knocked Juventus out. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Ramble On. Good to see you. Good to see you. We're in for a good time today. It's me, Marcus Speller, of course, and producer Charlie, as he's affectionately known. Charlie, how are you? Hello, mate. Yeah, good. Very, very hot. I cannot yeah. stress how hot I am, but otherwise, well, good. Pleasure to be in your company again. Let's rattle, and yours too, let's rattle through this at breakneck speed then. <laughs> I... Um, I, I thought I'd be a bit indulgent, ladies and gentlemen. I know that's very unlike me to do such a thing. Shock. So uh, we are going to uh, talk about every first date that Sven Joran Eriksson has ever gone on. No, we're not going to do that. We um... twelve part series, <laughs> <laughs> an ongoing uh, uh, series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of it incriminating, some of it not. Um, I'll let you be the judge. Well, yeah, in fact, very I'll, let, I'll very let the judge. Libelous. I'll let the judge be the judge. Uh, <laughs> we, we're, we're not going to do that. We, we, we're going to focus on Fulham today. They're up in the Premier League, and and we're going to we're going to look at their Europa League Cup run in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Of course, they reached the final, uh, and uh, and they and they clinched the silver medal uh, for <laughs> for Roy the boy. Um, this was this was the time when I really really properly started to watch Fulham I'd seen them a bit the year before and I had established myself as a as a Fulham fan uh, and it was it was a good time actually I because I, I, because I moved down south in 1998 and didn't really have an English side that I was supporting I used to quite like Sheffield Wednesday I've said that before but I but I didn't really uh, that was through Chris Waddle and Des Walker one or two of the others in the, in the early mid 90s but I didn't really have an English side and I remember thinking oh I can't yeah, you know, my brother supports Arsenal. I thought I can't start just supporting Arsenal. You know, they, at the time they were the you know, best team in the league and so on. I thought, well, who can I support? So they, let's just bide your time. Let's just wait. And, and I was a neutral fan for many, many years, and moved it to London in uh, around that time, two thousand and eight, two thousand nine, and I moved quite close to where Fulham play, and I started going to watch them play, and I just, I just fell in love with the whole thing. Roy Hodgson was in charge at the time. I loved uh, the vibe, and and it is a perfect club, really, to go and 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 not be a die-hard fan. I oh yeah, man, I know what you mean totally. Because obviously, being a Newcastle fan, it's it's difficult to get to uh, many home games that I would like to. Um, I would be anyone unless you're Pete Donaldson. Um, so <laughs> moving to London, yeah, it was sort of oh, I'll just I'll just get myself around and you know see what what clubs we can get into. And you're right in terms of how accessible and how sort of normal it feels. You know, if you were going to like mm. Spurs or something, it's a, it's a massive occasion, new stadium, and you, your tickets are expensive and all that stuff. Whereas going to the cottage, is, is, is a lo- you get the lovely walk down the river, unless it's pissing it down. Uh, <laughs> you can get in that sort of, you know, tickets on the door for that Putney end for uh, sort of most games. I mean, me and my mates went to see, we went to Exeter University, so we saw Exeter play there in the Cup like a couple of years ago. And yeah, it's just, in terms of, it's sort of like the lovely, raw, simple delights of watching football is what you're going to get there. You don't get, obviously, the the big hoo-ha, but I don't mind that. I quite like it. I think the the, the stick it gets is unwarranted, I think. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, you don't have the glitz and the glamour of, you know, the kind of Arsenal Stadium or obviously Spurs New Stadium or Old Trafford or something. But but not every experience, you know, you want to be the same. And I think I think the, uh, the, the Johnny Haynes stand at Fulham is, I think it might be the oldest football stand in, in the whole of the football league. Really? It's kind of like, yeah, still, yeah something like that. Look, he's, he's quite, he's very, very old. Um, and uh, and some of the wooden seats in there would certainly reflect that they haven't been modernised. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a disgrace. But it's still uh, an amazing sort of part of history. So, uh, yeah, so this season I, I, I went along and I, and actually the, because um, the Fulham season started in late July. I think they were in the third qualifying round or they had to go through some preliminaries uh, to get to the uh, the Europa League proper, having finished, I think, seventh uh, the, the previous season in in the Premier League, and England had a few representatives in uh, in the Europa League uh, that season. Everton were in there, and Liverpool would join later as as they ducked out of uh, the Champions League at group stage, uh, and, and and they went quite far. So yes, Fulham. Um, Nobody could have predicted uh, the side who would go on in 2009-10 to finish 12th in the Premier League would be so close to capturing Europe's second biggest prize. Oh. I know, madness. Yeah, really, it is crazy. It? Well, they, they, had, they had a group. Uh, they were in Group E in the first round of the tournament with Roma, Basel and uh, CSK Sofia. Now, I, I think for most Fulham fans, you know, and I hadn't been a Fulham fan that long, of course, it was just such a novel thing to see them playing in Europe for crying out loud. Uh, you know, Basel and 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 Seska Sofia. Okay, fair enough. But Roma, that's a proper name. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a that's a that's a that's a meaty club. So um, in that group, uh, I went to the first uh, home game that Fulham played, which was against Basel, and I, I Pete and Luke were with me. I don't think Jim was there, but we went along, and it was only uh, like the stadium was was probably only about two-thirds full, something like that. Wasn't that many people there, which I suppose slightly disappointing, but it did reflect the fan base at the time with Fulham because Fulham came up the leagues because of Mohamed Zalfayed's money largely. So when people talk about it being a lovely club, I mean, yes, but when he was the owner, lovely quickly turned to extremely offensive. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm sure that the likes of Brentford probably get pissed off with Fulham being seen as this quaint family club because they've had an awful lot of money. They do have a lot of money now. But traditionally, they have been a family club and, and, and so on. Uh, but but uh, but yes, yeah, so, so 16,000 or however much it was turning out uh, for an evening game at Fulham was okay, but it did reflect the fact that there was people like myself who... We're just kind of really getting stuck into it mm. uh, and whatnot because they came up the leagues quite quickly. So if Fulham won one nil, Danny Murphy scored uh, that that uh, the, the the only goal of the game. And I remember there was a Basel fan who was like leading the chant. They had a great away support, not huge numbers as you would expect. Basel probably not too many, uh, uh, you know, not a huge fan base in in the grand scheme of things. But in Switzerland, fair enough. And there was a man who had a fantastic ripped torso who had his top off and was leading the chant there in the away end. They were having a lovely old time. Uh, and I remember Pete in particular was impressed with him. Uh, but there was there was, was there was he, to be no joy for <laughs> Yes, exactly. There was to be no joy for Basel. And Fulham won 1-0. Having drawn away in Sofia the first game, suddenly, you know, Fulham, they've got four, four points from their first couple of games. You think, oh, that's quite nice. Although, you know, the two sides they played aren't huge, but they're, you know, still. And then came the Roma game. And... Again, Roma weren't, it wasn't a brilliant Roma side, but you still had some names in there for, for crying out loud. And 
and Fulham, I remember Hangel and scoring, Fulham going 1-0 up sort of fairly early on. And like I say, not some huge names, but you had, you know, De Rossi in there, John Arnarisa, who, of course, you know, ex-Fulham himself, you know, one or two, Bodiso, um, Mexes at the back. So there was one or two players there who, who weren't too shabby. And, uh, and Fulham conceded an injury time equaliser to Roma, who celebrated like they'd just won the game, of course, and fair enough. And I remember coming away from the stadium going, ah, that is gutting. Fulham have just drawn at home to Roma. Did you, when you, you were in the stands, did, sorry, did you, mm. did you think, you know, because of the stature of Roma, did you think, oh, we've gone one nil up here, but it's a matter of time, you know, when their class will tell them we'll probably, we'll be lucky to get a draw here or I could still back Roma to win. Yeah. Or were you quite confident? Yeah, I see what you mean. I, well, I should say the attendance for this one was quite close to capacity because it's Rome or a bigger name. No, I, I, what I found was because Fulham under Roy Hodgson played a quite an effective zonal system and seldom would Fulham get battered by teams. You know, the way Hodgson would set up, it was very, very effective, especially in these kind of one-off games. It was always a great regret if I'm as loath as I am to talk about Hodgson's England with regards to uh, Euro 2016. One of, the, one of the real things that pissed me off about losing to Iceland was actually I would have loved to have seen what England would have done against France in the next round. France, a better side, the favourite. You know, how would they have set up? Because mm. Hodgson, as he did in this tournament, can set up a team to frustrate a better side and get a little bit of joy here and there with a set piece or something like that. And I would have really been intrigued to see, but we never saw that from a Hodgson team, really. World Cup 2014, he tried to do something else. 2012, he didn't really have the players in there or he didn't really have the time. 2016, I thought, ah, oh, what can they do? And, and it didn't happen. But in this tournament, you saw Hodgson's plans in action as we'll go through some of the rounds and how effective it was. And when Fulham went 1-0 up, I actually remember thinking, okay, Roma are kind of plying, uh, are piling on the pressure. It wasn't until they brought on Claudio Pizarro, I think it was. and uh, Not Claudio Pizarro, sorry. What am I talking about? Um, uh, David Pizarro, that's right. Uh, Chilean footballer. Um, and he, he came on and I remember thinking, ooh, that, th- this, this is... Yeah, he, he's the type of player that you, you think, ah, this is the kind of tricky, skillful player that uh, if you're playing under Hodgson's zonal system in the Premier League, you're not used to these types of players. But it was a last-minute goal, and I think it was from a set-piece itself. And I, I, I remember, th- I think people came away from the stadium thinking, do you know what, actually? We, we've got a chance here of getting through to the next round. And they played Roma away in the next game, and having led 1-0, lost 2-1. So this meant now it was all to play for. So they beat uh, CSK Sofia 1-0 at home. And then the big one was Basel away, which Fulham won 3-2. So Fulham go through, having played six games, only lost one with 11 points, second behind Roma in the group. And suddenly it's kind of like, bloody hell, not only are we in this uh, a tournament and we're kind of enjoying some European football, we've played a big side. You know, they've only just got the better of us and we're in the next round. And so there was there was a bit of excitement. And, you know, Hodgson meant a lot to people, I think, in Fulham around that time. What he did for the club when he when he kept them up against all the odds, that great escape. And then he kicked them on, gets them into European competition. And then you're in the second round. It was great. I mean, I remember the chant, which uh, one can never forget because it only consists of one word, which was Roy, 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 Roy. Everyone used to used to love that. And going to the games, especially there's something about an evening game, isn't there, in European football, especially if you're not used to it. Going to the games, as you say, down that kind of Thames path and and so on, there was a real, as the game started to to come, 
there was such a sense of expectation. There was kind of like, oh, what, what, what are we going to get tonight? Who are yeah. we going to, you know, who are oh, we going to frustrate this time? Amazing. Yeah, it really, it was. It was. I'd, I've never sort of really sort of witnessed it, before, you know, before or since. In that sense, yeah, he was sort of little plucky Fulham, who, as I say, finished twelfth in the Premier League this season. You know, this wasn't. It's not like they finished seventh again. You know, the, the, you had this sort of a bit of the yin and yang. I mean, they weren't going to go down or anything, but this excitement that was building. Off you go to the cottage of an evening to watch Fulham play uh, in the Europa League. And after the uh, after the group stage, Fulham faced uh, a very good Shakhtar Dunyek side. And I'd still maintain this. Shakhtar were the best side Fulham played in that competition. Yeah, they I were think, excellent. I think Danny Murphy, when he did the Ramble meets with Luke, he said the same. He yeah. said, because they won it the year before, and he said, I remember he... he his his sort of recounting of it was kind of similar to you, I guess. He thought, well, we've uh-huh. made it through this group. No one thought we'd get anything from it, really. So let's, you know, we're through. We're, we're in with a shot here. And then they get drawn against Shakhtar and you think, well, OK, maybe we're not. <laughs> maybe we're not then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know Shakhtar sort of come and go with how good they are in European competition, but they had Fernandinho in there. Luis Adriano, Willian, uh, Dario Serna, you know, there were some, 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 some not too bad, you know, Douglas Costa on the bench. I mean, it wasn't, too shabby uh, what what they had going on and as you say they knew how to to go deep in the competition um but Fulham got off to a great start Zoltan Gira scoring after a few minutes but the way Shakhtar played and this is where Hodgson's system is good for a team who are who are an underdog and this is what I think Hodgson's system could never really be fully embraced by Liverpool for example or to a lesser extent Inter or England when they were playing against crapper teams which England usually are apart from when they get into knockout stages and tournaments is you are essentially setting yourself up to frustrate a better team really that's when it's at its best and at Liverpool you can't have that you've got to be more on the front foot but when Fulham play Shakhtar Shakhtar knocked the ball around superbly they were a lovely side to watch and they and and they had some phenomenal players in there whereas Fulham got an early goal Luis Adriano equalized and this is where everyone thought Okay, you know, in the words of of Ellis James, when we did that Greatest Games podcast, when Wales got to the Euros, and he said, I think they were up against Slovakia, and you see a player like Hamzik, you know, do a shimmy, take a shot and hit one just wide. He said, you know, I I think we've bitten off more than we can chew here. You know, he said something (laughs) along those lines. And of course, they'd go on to the the semi-final. I think this was the same. I think people thought, oh, this is... This, this is a bit different, isn't it? This is a bit tasty. I think we might struggle. But of course, Fulham, they're solid. They know their jobs and they stay in there. And Bobby Zamora scores an absolute peach yeah. to win the match 2-1. Now, in off the bar. It's a phenomenal strike. And you need those moments of quality as well. And so you think, oh, 2-1, well, that's not... Well, we've got them going a bit. What what can we do in, in, in the next round, of course? And then they go away to Shakhtar and Hangeland scores early and those early well not early but those first goals are crucial because you can defend the lead and, and all that kind of stuff and Fulham get the draw one all and, and they're into the next round and suddenly you're like hang on a flipping minute here Fulham, Fulham are in the round of 16 in the Europa League what what the hell's going on you know we're, we're sort of in mid-table in the Premier League this you know you had to go through a preliminary round or two to get into this competition we're now up against Juventus for crying out ruddy loud <laughs> As I keep saying, so, you know, your other sides in the competition, Atletico Madrid, Sporting, Liverpool are there. Uh, Lille, you know, Marseille, Benfica, Valencia. You know, like there's some names in here. So Fulham go away to Juventus and uh, and they lose 3-1 uh, in the first leg. And again, you sort of think to yourself, 
you know, it's not that could have been worse. They got a <laughs> really? goal. I, I see. Could have. I'd have thought you'd have been like, oh, okay, well, it's been fun, but we, that's yeah. that's probably us. Yeah, I, th- I think. I, I, well, I think everyone thought that's probably us when it was Juventus. But of course, this again, this sometimes the stars align with these things, and you've got to take your chances when they do. The game was played, I think, at Torino's ground. Um, it wasn't a great Juventus side. Uh, you know, when you look at all these things, you begin to look at the detail. You think, actually, well, maybe there's a little chance here. Mm. And so, coming away, having lost three-one. I remember thinking, if it was 4-1, that would have been that. If it was 3-0. But, you know, if you win 2-0 at home, you're there. So it, it seemed unlikely, but but there was enough to keep people interested. And so, again, the, the, the stadium for the home game on, on the 18th of March 2010 was, was pretty much full. And I promise you this is true. I, I think I, I'm sure I said it at the time, but it was 10 years ago now. But I promise you. When I went to the stadium with a, with a friend of mine, we went and watched all the games, a friend of mine called Garth, lovely Northern Irish chap. We were walking to the stadium and I said, there's something in the air tonight. I said, I, I, said, can, Garth, I can feel it coming in the air tonight. <laughs> I, said, I said, what's your team of the week, Garth? He said, I'm not that Garth. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, you're going to have all 11 Fulham players in there. I said, I said, there's something in the air tonight. And I think I think we're going to win four one, honestly. And he sort of laughed at wow. it. And so on. I said, oh. um, and I wish. Do you know what? I think we did the ramble when we I, we we did it that way. And I regret not saying it on the ramble because you then sound like an idiot after. But I'm saying it now, and I don't give a shiny shite, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and so we we and and people who have heard this on the greatest games will will know uh, when Philippe or Claire chose this game much to my glee. But it was funny because David uh, Trezeguet scores after two minutes, and suddenly it's like ah. Oh, Four one on aggregate now. The away goal means nothing. <laughs> yeah, he's done, done that hard work inside 120 seconds. Exactly, yeah. But Bobby Zamora scored after nine minutes, and you go, oh, well, that's okay. So that that'll keep us interested. Let's let's just see how it pans out. If you go down fighting, well, then fair enough, fair enough. But of course, you need a bit of good fortune. And on 26 minutes, Fabio Cannavaro gets sent off for a straight red. Now, was it a straight red? Possibly. They sometimes, especially back in those days, might have been given as a yellow. But he's sent off for a straight red. And I remember thinking, oh, that's interesting. And I think from the resulting free kick, Zamora hit it and the keeper tipped it over the bar. And you go, bloody hell, if that, if that went in, then we're playing 10 men and we'd need two goals. And we've got over a half of football to play. And our tails are up. And you go, but hang on. If we can get in at half time at two one, there's and, and suddenly everyone you can see everyone's kind of around the stadiums going, hang on, what's this? Gear scores after thirty nine minutes. We go in at half time at two one and everyone's thinking, Well, I'll tell you something, they're down to ten men. This isn't the Juventus teams that we've seen in the past, and our tails are up. Oh, c- could it be? And then of course, four minutes after half time, Bobby Zamora scores. He, uh, sorry, Aguirre scores a penalty, and you go right. This is on. This yeah. is bloody happening. We 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 are a man up. They are looking shell shocked. We have got a, a, a big chunk of, of of the second half here to get one goal, and the way this is going, it's going to happen. And and then looking back on it, you don't think of it at the time, but looking back on it, it's one of those ones where you don't want to score too early. No, because then what do you, you, you know? On, as, yeah. 
exactly Fulham quite inexperienced at that level and and whatnot um but then, of course, as the game's going on and on and on, you think, hang on, are, are we going to get this yeah, goal? Because if we, remember, yeah. Well, it, yeah, exactly. Because if Fulham had won that game 3-1, well, it would have gone into extra time and you'd think, ah, Juventus, is, are there, is their experience, some of the players in that size experience going to count? And then at penalties, you wouldn't fancy it. Um, but they could be knackered. So, OK, so we're still in this, but you wouldn't put it, you know, it's still Juventus, though. And then Dem- Clint Dempsey scores an outrageous Dinked goal. Oh, it was it's, like it's, a chip. What a what a goal! I mean, I can still see it now. As it kind of as the ball flights in, you're looking at it, thinking, "Is that going in? Is that a cross? It can't be a cross." And it just catches the corner, and pandemonium, absolute pandemonium. <laughs> Four ones, yeah. And, it, and, and 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 then you think, "Oh, are they going to come at us?" No, they're not. Juventus were down and out. See you later. And then uh, Zabina gets sent off in injury time. You know, and off he goes. And the away fans were very, very unhappy. And I came away from that field, uh, from that stadium that night, just thinking that was unbelievable. I phoned, I phoned my dad, and he's not particularly into football, you know. And I just remember phoning people, going, "I've just witnessed this. This is," and it was one of those games where you then hear other football fans going, "Oh my goodness!" You know, it's it's one of those yeah. marquee results, and to have been there, to have seen that, is such a collector's item. You know, it's it's without a doubt the most enjoyable evenings football I've ever watched in my in my life. Um, and then suddenly Fulham are in the bleeding quarterfinals <laughs> of, of the Europa League and they're up against Wolfsburg. Now, I know Wolfsburg were the German champions, but still, you look at that and you think, well, hang on, Fulham, Wolfsburg, Hamburg, Standard, Liège, Valencia, Atletico Madrid, Benfica, Liverpool. Well, we're in the better side of the draw there. You beat Wolfsburg, you're playing Hamburg or Standard, Liège, and you think, Hang on, hang on a bit. Okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. But you've put to bed Sha- uh, 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 Shakhtar and Juventus. So Fulham win 2-1 in the first leg. Wolfsburg getting a late goal, which put a dampener on things, which was a bit of a shame. But then in the second leg, once again, an early goal. Bobby Zamora, who was magnificent for Fulham all season. I was going to say, but and he... Because he, wasn't he... He was derided a bit the season before. He just sort of ridiculed. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah, for yeah. that 2009-10 season, he was just... Like it was, I was unreal. He was, he was like a man possessed. He was, yeah. Well, he, I, I mean, there was that famous chant, you know, that fans were saying, you know, when the ball hits your head and you're sitting in Rose, it's that's Zamora. Zamora. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That was that was the the, the chant, wasn't it? I mean, the, the following season, Bobby Zamora got two England call ups. Now, I know fans of clubs are always biased for their for their players, but I remember thinking for World Cup 2010, going into that season, the way he played Zamora his hold-up play, bringing others into the team uh, and all that kind of stuff. I thought in terms of English strikers, there was few finer in the league because he didn't score that many goals, but Fulham shared the goals out a bit. You know, they play a 4-4-1-1 with Gira off uh, Zamora, but you had Duff, you had Dempsey, uh, these players. Um, Gira himself would chip in with the goals because Zamora would bring them in. You know, that's why Mm. Dempsey scored a few goals. Zamora's hold-up play and his team play was absolutely superb. And I actually think, I know this sounds ridiculous now, but I think England could have benefited from that with Rooney and one or two others like Gerard or whoever in, in the World Cup. I mean, I know that Defoe scored and, I mean, it seems ridiculous now talking about World Cup 2010. Sorry, everybody, you know my obsessions. But I, I, I thought Zamora, and it would have been a bold choice for Capello, I, I understand that. But he did get a couple of uh, England caps the, the following year, which showed you that, that what he was doing was, was recognised. So Fulham won that one 1-0 away to Wolfsburg. And I remember uh, there was a, a 
And they cut to the crowd, and Hugh Grant was in the crowd. And it, all you saw was a man serving him a beer on a tray, and Hugh Grant turned around and grabbed the beer and went, "Oh, cheers!" You know, and he started drinking. It was it was absolutely brilliant, you know. So <laughs> it was all it was all coming up Fulham, and they got they were into the semi final. And again, you've got to say Fulham was slightly fortunate with the draw. They're playing Hamburg, who finished I think sixth or seventh in the Bundesliga the previous year. Uh, in the other side of the draw, you had Atletico Madrid and, and Liverpool. So Fulham playing Hamburg. Now, the, the final was played in Hamburg. So Hamburg thought to themselves, ah, you know, we get to the final, you know, the, our name's on the trophy kind of thing. Fulham draw the first leg, nil-nil, which people thought, hmm, okay. It's a bit of a funny one when you draw the, away from home in the first leg, nil-nil. You think, okay, well, we didn't, you know, we just win the game, we're okay, but we didn't get an away goal. So going into the game, that this was when there was real nerves, I think going into this match yeah. because you think to yourself it's there the final is there it's in touching distance and you're playing a team at home who you know we can have them kind of thing and Hamburg went 1-0 up with a great goal from Petric absolutely beautiful free kick oh, free smashed kick. it oh, yeah, in the top form. lovely one yeah Petric of course would go on to play uh, for Fulham a little bit um, uh, you know Traitor. a couple of years a couple of years later yeah he <laughs> Indeed, but he, he was a good player. Uh, got a number of craps for Croatia, and when he smashed it in, and the fans celebrating and all that, you thought, ah. And I remember there was a sinking feeling. Fulham got into half time; they weren't really doing much. Second half began; it started, and and I remember sitting there reflecting, going, "Well, do you know what? It was great. This it was really great. Um, yeah, shame it's going to end like this, but uh, it's been it's been good." And then you go. Semi-finals good. If you get to the final, it's almost like you the, the you know the lads will get a medal if they finish runners up. But also, there's something about reaching the final, playing the maximum amount of games you can, as opposed to a semi-final. I think semi-finalists can get lost. People mm. remember the finalists that little bit more. And the ch- a chant went up, which I think is still on a banner somewhere on in in Craven Cottage. When suddenly this this chant around the crowd just went, "Stand up if you still believe, stand up," uh, yeah. and it it woke everybody up, and I think it even woke the players up. Suddenly everything came alive, and I remember even within myself just going, "Oh, hang on, come on, come on, what have we got here?" And then uh, there was a lovely little goal from Simon Davis, who kind of sort of jinked the ball and won all. And suddenly it's like, "Hang on, we're back on." Twenty minutes to go, one all. And then, of course, with 15 minutes to go, Zoltan Gira, who popped up with a crucial goal, as he tended to do, made it 2-1. And I remember thinking, we're grand, we're good. And the way I celebrated that Gira goal, I don't think I've celebrated a goal like it before or since. I jumped up and down. You know when you kind of your knees come into your chest as if you're sort of going to do a a, 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 a a sort of a bomb when you're, like a, when you're, when you're jumping off the top uh, your, your diving board or something? You know, your knees come into your chest. I did that repeatedly. It's like you warm me when, up when, on subs bench. Yeah, almost. Like I, I, it was a strange one. It was just the emotion just completely overtook me, and Fulham were in the flipping final, and it was like, shit, we're there. We've actually done this, and everybody piled into a pub which was just up the road called the Crabtree, and Liverpool were in extra time against Atletico Madrid, and it was crucial for Fulham, I think, that it wasn't Liverpool. Yeah, I agree. because. 
because there's something exotic about playing a foreign side, especially a huge name like Atletico Madrid. But also Liverpool would have beaten Fulham. No, I know Atletico Madrid did, but Liverpool would have beaten Fulham. No two ways about that. Because they're, they're, they're a bigger and better side. And you go into that game thinking, oh, we know this. Yeah. We know what to expect here. This is going to be done. So when Diego Forlan scored the goal, which which put them through... Uh, uh, on, on away goals, you know, and the result went up. Everyone celebrated. Come on, you know, like, like it's almost like we've got a chance here. There's no hatred for Liverpool or anything like that. It's kind of like, oh, we 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 can do this. Um, and sadly, I couldn't get to the final in Hamburg. You know, the tickets were like gold dust. Uh, but I watched it in a in a Fulham pub, um, you know, up Fulham Palace Road in West London. And again, four land scores one nil. But then then Davis kind of gets a gets a lovely equaliser. Uh, and and really, you know, the way Fulham kind of played, you know, again, 4-4-1-1, it was really to try and stop. I mean, you look at the Atletico Madrid, you've got David De Gea and goal, who's very good. But you Diego Forlan and, and Sergio Aguero up front, I mean, crying out loud. Yes, yeah, you know, that, team is, that team is ridiculous, isn't it, really? Yeah. Especially and, with and hindsight. Bobby's, exactly. Bobby Zamora was, was really injured going into that game. You know, he, he was done. His, his legs had gone. Um, uh, Clint Dempsey, I think, came on for him in in the last sort of uh, five minutes or, or, or so of the game. But Fulham again, it was all about whether they could frustrate Atletico Madrid and, and and could they keep them at bay. And and they were so close, they were so close to penalties. I think even if it had gone to penalties, you'd have fancied Atletico Madrid. But it became very clear that the only side that were going to go on and win the the, the game where Atletico Madrid and Forlan, of course, scored with a few minutes left and. The better team won on the day, but the fact is Fulham got there. They got all the way to the final. They gave a great account of themselves in the final against the superior side and took them all the way. Um, it was, I, I suppose, I think I would have rather lost to that four-land goal with a few minutes to spare than lost on penalties. Although, of course, at the time, you would take penalties. Yeah. And you, would, you take your chances there than, than, than rather than, than losing, you know. But it was, it was an extraordinary run uh, from, from a, a side that, because think about it, if Wolves get to the, you know, at the time of recording, you know, Wolves are still in the in the Europa League. If Wolves got to the final of the Europa League this time round, it would be a hell of an achievement. And I understand that they've, you know, sort of finished in the, you know, they, they, they qualified. But it's a good Wolves side, if you see what I mean. Like they, it yeah. wouldn't be as, it would be in a hell of an achievement, but it wouldn't be that outrageous. Whereas that Fulham team getting to the final of the Europa League, I think those kind of stories are very few and far between. You don't get that, especially not nowadays. Really, there's nothing. Uh, forgive me if I'm missing a glaring one here off the top of my head. You think Alaves, you know, when they were beaten by Liverpool after that extraordinary oh, game five four yeah, yeah. in 2001, was it? Uh, you know, those kind of sides getting to big European finals again, very, very seldom. It's it's once in a lifetime stuff. And my goodness, I was so glad that I witnessed it, Charlie. Oh, mate, I, I could only imagine. Yeah, it's, it is. It's a bit of a shame that. You don't see that, of course, quite so often now, but mm. maybe that means you can just treasure it a bit more. Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, thank you, everybody, for for entertaining my indulgence there. That was uh, very enjoyable indeed. Um, but, yeah, Fulham, ugh, reaching the Europa League final. Will it happen again? Oh, what can Scotty Parker do? You never know in football. You never bloody know. Get Mitro in we, there. No, you never know. We are Premier League. Thank you very much for listening to uh, Ramble On, everybody. Thank you, Charlie. Cheers, uh, mate. You're a, you're a marvellous man. And we will see you uh, next week, everybody. Ta-ta. Tyler Seguero will chase this one down. 
Aaron Hughes trying to keep him out. Silaquero, and he's worked it into Diego Forlan. That surely will be the winner in this final. Four minutes of extra time to play. It's Diego Forlan again. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.